Hey, video game fans, I'm Ben Bertoli. And I'm Push Dustin. And this is another memory card bonus episode, special edition bonus episode. Featuring Dante. <laughs> Featuring Dante with funky mode. Uh, and Push is going to kind of explain what he's got in store for us today. Okay, so uh, we're recording this actually like June 5th, uh, 2021. Later tonight, I'll be presenting with an organization called Nerd Night. They do 20-minute presentations on really nerdy topics. And I got invited from a local chapter here in Kyoto uh, to talk about my history battling smash misinformation. So originally, this presentation is actually like a full-on slideshow and visuals and, and magic and everything like that. Um, <laughs> but in an effort to make it like a more like a podcast, more like uh, what we do with Memory Card, uh, ben and I will be going back and forth talking a little bit, and I won't be relying on the visuals to, you know, tell this information. The the actual slideshow doesn't have a lot of visual elements to it. It's just like basic pictures and stuff like that. So you're not missing too much. My first my first big question for you, Push, is are you presenting in English or in Japanese? I'll be presenting in English, actually. Okay. All right. Yeah. So this is a this is a legit like dry run. Yeah, I've done a couple of runs of this, so hopefully it goes well, but let's see. Uh, <laughs> so the title of this presentation is Smashing Fake News, a retrospective of battling misinformation within Smash Bros. Let's begin. So today I'll be talking about something that has kind of occupied my life for about half a decade, or well, over a half a decade by now, and that's battling against misinformation in the Smash Bros. fandom. I'll be talking about how I got into such a position, my successes and failures, and some lessons I've learned over the years. So I hope you guys enjoy this. I, I know I will. <laughs> so every, for people who do not know, I'm Will. I work as a PR and communications manager at Q Games here in Kyoto. I've lived in Japan for over 10 years, and I got married about a year and about a year and a half ago now. I'm here to speak to you because I have a secret double identity. People who listen to this podcast will know I am a super nerd on the internet. I am Push Dustin. <laughs> About six years ago, I had the realization that there wasn't a whole lot of English speakers in the game journalism field. And I thought that was kind of weird because like Japan, like I, I think you, you feel the same way. Like Japan is kind of like this holy place in the gaming community. And it's kind of like, yeah, very much so. It's like the Mecca, like the whole, the, like every, every nerd and otaku wants to go to japan they want to go to akihabara and like go to super potato and sit on that game carts of throne you know <laughs> and there's a lot of video game information comes from japan and so it has to be translated it has to be filtered uh through the localization lens and so six years ago i was doing english teaching and i knew that i didn't want to do english teaching for the rest of my life uh so i started thinking about ways that i could kind of improve my resume, improve my job chances in the future, and to get into a field that I was more passionate about. So I thought that video games was kind of a natural fit after the other blogs I started failed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, fun fact, I did start a community blog, like the Community the TV show. Oh. Before Source Gaming, where I was talking about um, episodes and like retrospectives of that. You were streets ahead. Yeah, I was streets ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I started Source Gaming because I was like, well, we need to go back to the source. We need to go and investigate all these video games and uncover the truth that these video game companies are trying to suppress us. 
(laughs) (laughs) And um, of course, I named it Source Gaming. And the mascot is uh, Sosuke. He's a little red uh, disc, floppy disc. And if you, I think if you, his kanji, we actually gave him kanji for his name, which would be like uh, Source or something like that. It's it's something to do with. And he kind of looks like the uh, Famicom disc system mascot a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, so um, that's something that we decided on relatively early in the life of Source Gaming because, like, we wanted to um, kind of play up the going back to going back to the source and how do you how do you you know visualize that and it's like okay let's do floppy disks because that's like the original like computer medium mm-hmm. and um, I wasn't the first to do a website like this. There's a ton of other websites like this. So a quick shout out to you know Cerebi.net which is run by like Joe, who has done fantastic work for the Pokemon community. There's Cantopia, who does uh, Fire Emblem, uh, Starman.net, which, um, you know, covers the the Earthbound Mother series. And there's so many great websites that are dedicated to just one subject. It's quite amazing how uh, for a long, long time, there wasn't one that was for Smash and Source Gaming kind of filled that void. Well, Smash is such a, you know, combination of different series uh it might it might have been a little bit of a daunting task for someone to 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 put it all together yeah that's true because like uh serbi and, and starman and um and also kentopia they they did cover smash in in regards to their own respective franchises but yeah never the whole franchise itself real quick what is smash bros i'm sure people listening to this uh will already know about smash bros but this just will be really quick so it's a game made by masahiro sakurai uh who is the creator of kirby it's actually based on a japanese game called ohajiki which is a kind of like marbles where it's like flat marbles where you try to like knock the marbles out of the ring he had uh sakurai had an idea of ohajiki and wanted to translate that into video games and eventually um that led to a uh accessible platform fighting game that we know is smash bros did you uh did you know about that before? Did I know about Ohajiki? Um, you know, I, I think I knew it was yeah. based on a um older, like, you know, uh board game type thing, but I don't think I knew exactly what it was. Yeah. So I'm learning new things too. Yeah. That's why you gotta subscribe for push facts on Twitter. <laughs> That's right. And on Instagram, <laughs> I think. Right. And on Instagram and on Twitter and on Facebook. Yes. And as we know, Smash Bros. has grew in intense popularity over the years. Started out with 12 characters and now has like over 70. And the game is massive. It has a ton of companies involved like Square Enix, Capcom, uh, Sega, and even like Microsoft. And it kind of evolved from just like Nintendo platform fighting game uh, to a celebration of video games over the years. And because of that, the fan base is pretty intense. Right, because they're coming from all these different corners of the internet. Yeah, and everyone is just so passionate about what fan, what characters they want to see in this game because they feel like, you know, if their character is in Smash, it kind of cements the, that character as being, like, a co- iconic video game character. Right. Like, it's like a rite of passage. If we can get um, Buff Day-Day-Day <laughs> <laughs> into Smash Bros, then that means that Buff, everything that I love about buff day to day is kind of recognized right and um is is valid and so a lot of people put their heart and soul into trying to get these characters into smash bros the older games just the roster was set once the game came out okay we unlocked everybody that's it you know you wait till the next game 
but with the DLC in the in the more recent games, like it could happen any you know any day they could announce a new person. I think the anticipation, knowing that there's only so many slots left over, really pushes people to go a little wild with their uh, fandom. Mm-hmm. And um, I think like Monster Sakurai also does a really fantastic job marketing the game. Uh, even with Smash 64, he ran a website where he wrote about the game's mechanics and interacted with fans. And so he's, for like a developer, he's also very closely tied with the game's marketing and trying to get like the consumer's understanding of the of the base game's core design. And so because of that, I feel like fans have a lot of information that they wouldn't have for other games. And so like it's a mix of like, being closely tied with the developer and also that mystery of that uh what's next the anticipation as you mentioned right and uh yeah it it sold over 23 million copies or smash ultimate it is the best fighting game of all time the previous record holder was actually street fighter 2 and that's only because it was re-released a ton of times <laughs> uh and so now you said best do you mean best selling yeah, best, uh, best selling. Or just, or just best. Best selling. <laughs> it is the best, officially. Yeah. In, in sales. In sales. In sales. So, yeah, it's pretty impressive that one game overtook Street Fighter 2, which was re-released a number of times. Yeah. I feel like we could do an episode of Memory Card on just Street Fighter 2 re-releases. <laughs> yeah, it, it might have to be, like, double the normal length. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, and then for me, I, I've been a long-term fan of Smash Bros. I've played it throughout my entire childhood. Uh, Melee was the first GameCube game I actually owned. Um, so it has a very special place in my heart. And uh, when I was starting Source Gaming, the uh, Smash Bros. for 3DS and Wii U, which are the fourth and fifth games, they were in active de- development and promotion cycles. So I was very involved with that speculation and figuring out what characters could come, what rumors were legit and trying to scrape any information I could. But as I became more involved with speculation and trying to look backwards, I realized that there was this huge information gap between the Japanese and the English sides of the fandom. Like I would go to the Japanese Wikipedia page and it would have completely different information from the English Wikipedia page hmm. um, on the, on the history of the series and what characters were considered in plan. So it was just like, it was kind of, eye-opening because i was like i I didn't realize that things could be that lost in translation and this is just on the wikipedia page so it's like it should be really accessible but a lot of people never took the time to actually go and look through the sources and try to figure out like what information is legitimate right real quick we're going to talk about why fake news or misinformation starts i'm saying fake news because it's kind of like a cute political thing well, not really cute, but <laughs> <laughs> it has some relationship to this because a lot of the misconceptions and um, false rumors that were in Smash Bros is similar to kind of like the, the issues that we're dealing with modern media today. And uh, the biggest reason that misinformation happens is because there's no authority. There's no God of information like Ben and I here, we can have totally different valid opinions on something and they could be correct um but because there's not like an unbiased source to like be like no you're actually right you're actually wrong uh it makes confirming information really difficult and it's 
it's hard to know everything. Yeah. Like, I don't know anything about science, really. And so when my wife tells me, oh, this is why this does this, I'm like, okay. Yeah. Cool. Like, I, I don't, I can't, I can't understand that. And I'm sure you have uh, similar uh, skill sets, right? Yeah. I mean, it's almost like when you're a little kid. Yeah. You ask a question or you seek out information. And if you find it, and especially if you find it interesting, you want to believe it. You want to be like, wow, okay, all right, well, now I know how this works, and I'm going to, you know, tell other people who have the same question, mm-hmm. and who knows if what, you know, the information that you got was legitimate or not. Yeah. And it, it, makes, it makes it hard to uh, make sure people know what's real and what's not. Yeah, like, when you're a kid, like, your parents are like, oh, you have to, you can't use the light on, in the car because that's illegal. <laughs> and, like, they'll tell you that because, like, they don't want you know to cause an accident or something like that but it's not technically illegal you can drive with your light on yeah i just wouldn't suggest it because it's not safe yeah and you know i've heard kids say oh well the sky is blue because most of the earth is water and it's like reflecting it i'm like no that's not (laughs) yeah there's no reflection it's refraction (laughs) yeah exactly so like a lot a lot of people they sometimes they unintentionally make misinformation because they don't know what they're saying is false. Mm-hmm. And like they, they're just like trying to piece things together that are semi-related. And then another reason that misinformation starts is because there's actually people with uh, agendas. And um, they, they want people to believe something. Uh, sometimes for personal or political gain. They'll sometimes use this fake engagement to create real engagement. In the Smash Bros. fandom, we see a lot of people make fake rumors or fake leaks to try to get excitement about a character or a stage. And so that way, that character or stage would get uh, a swell in popularity. Mm. For example, there's the Smashified series that was made by Artsy Omni. He did a Rayman fake leak that was like one Valentine's Day, because I remember it totally ruined my Valentine's Day. (laughs) It it kind of created this this, a lot of popularity for Rayman that... Like, it existed to some degree, but because of that fake leak, because people were able to realize what Raymond would be in Smash, I think it created some support for him that wouldn't have otherwise existed. Yeah, I remember that one, and it, and it was, he cleared it up pretty quickly, because it was less of like, yep. I mean, it was kind of like a ha-ha, I fooled you, but it was more like, like, check this out, like, you know, look how good I am. <laughs> yeah, and, and look how cool this could be. Right, yeah, exactly, because I think it was just like the he had figured out how to put him on the the selection screen and you know the background was moving and it looked like he could be selected arts omni is is such a a great he's a great guy first of all and also he's a very interesting person because he was really involved with debunking fake leaks at the time like he was in that in that circle so he knew everything that people were looking out for Mm -hmm. and which is why he was able to kind of uh create like the perfect leak right well, and he's a good, he's a great artist. And he's a very talented, yeah, very talented yeah, artist. So that helps. <laughs> yeah. And the last reason that uh, fake news or misinformation could start is because headlines are misleading. Uh, headlines need to be catchy in order to grab people's attention. But at the same time, a lot of people aren't actually reading the full article. And so because of this, headlines, which are unintentionally or slightly clickbaity, can spread false information. You know, people will be like, is Sakurai retiring? Uh, they'll see that headline and they won't read the full article. They won't get the full picture. Right. And they'll just be like, oh, Sakurai's retiring. Uh, and so that can create a lot of um, information gaps. I don't have it in this one, in this slideshow, but there's this uh, part where 
Sakurai had a very nuanced answer to why characters in, in Smash had to be unique. It was basically like fighting game in, in fighting games, like you have a lot of characters that are, are very similar to each other. And, you know, we don't really want that. We want a character that feels unique and everything like that. And people took that quote to be like, Sakurai doesn't want fighting game characters in Smash. Oh. It's, it's very important to go further if you can. Or if you can't go further, find someone that can go further for you to verify that information. You should hire Push to do all your translations. He's got all, he's got all sorts of free time. <laughs> he's not busy, not, not, not busy at all. Yeah, a lot, a lot of free time. <laughs> so... The issue with all this, like, so what that all this misinformation and mistranslations occur, it's not really damaging, right? Well, it does, it does actually damage a lot. It can impact reputations, it can uh, create false expectations, and confirmation bias is uh, really, really strong. I think we, we talked a little bit about this, uh, or you mentioned this briefly uh, before, where it's really hard to tell people what they know and what they think is wrong. Right. Because... They've already been programmed to accept that as fact. It's really hard. Um, and you'd be surprised the things that people want to argue about in regards to that. You know what I mean? You can come at them with all the facts. You can come at them with the mm -hmm. you know, scientific studies or the official translations. Um, and they still don't want to back down. They don't want to be completely wrong. Or they don't want to admit that they're wrong at all. So it can, it can be frustrating. For both sides. Yeah. And that's why the struggle is, is real. Yeah. And like, you don't want to like come off as like too, what's that, like a know it all? Well, actually, uh, yeah. <laughs> because then it's just like, you're, yeah, you're just, you're just being annoying. And like, I've, I've definitely fallen into that trap where I've been super annoying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With like smash information in an effort to try to correct people. But it is a very tough balance to, to get people to understand the bigger picture and, and why this this is important because sometimes you'll get you'll be telling someone like oh no this is actually what happened they'll be like well that doesn't really matter and it's just like well actually it kind of does but <laughs> so in this part i'll be talking about actual examples so one of the earliest examples that i encountered was that there's this post on neogaf that was from a user that claimed a bunch of characters for uh the sec second game in the smash bros series were considered or planned or scrapped and a lot of people saw this post and took it as fact even though that he didn't really have a good solid source this poster was like yeah uh you know day to day king day to day was planned for for melee uh you know if he couldn't get approval for marf that you know if he didn't make all these clones that he would add day to day but he was you know happy that he was able to improve the roster with the clones and stuff like that and you know, Wario was going to be a Mario clone, but then he felt like Mario deserved better. Wolf was going to be a Fox clone, but, you know, basically they would be too similar. And Leaf would be a Marth clone, but Sakurai ended up going with Roy. These are all false. Like, there's no actual <laughs> in, uh, like, uh, source, like primary source, to verify this user's claim. And what happened was that I actually tracked down the original poster, which was like six years after he posted it. So um, I, I found out his information through like a mutual friend, through a mutual friend kind of thing, because the, the original poster was, was actually banned from NeoGAF. So <laughs> it was actually quite remarkable that I was able to find him and, and get his uh, comments on this. <laughs> Track him down and beat him up. <laughs> Give me your sources, because like... Listen, listen, buddy. I was trying to document and make every source available for everyone, 
And so I was like, this is driving me nuts. I can't find it. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And so, yeah, I was able to find him. And um, the message I'm showing on screen is the actual response that I got from him, which I'll, I'll read right now. Uh, Between you and me, I just forgot. I'll just forget about these old posts. I wish I never wrote them, but the damage is probably irreversible. Oh, well, I'm really ashamed about that period of my life. I managed to gain a reputation for summarizing interviews, but I've only had a very elementary understanding of the Japanese language. I took a few courses in college, and that's it. I've had friends help me translate articles in the last couple years, but those 2002 uh, Famitsu translations are a disaster. They're mostly fictitious. I was just a dumb, attention-seeking teenager on GameFAQs when I first posted them. So yeah, he basically admitted to me that he didn't understand Japanese, and he was just doing it for the attention. At least he's owning up to it. Yeah, he, he owned up to it, but unfortunately, this kind of response was not publicly posted. Right. And I'm hiding his, his name because he, he's still active in the community to this day. It was me. I admit it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> ben! <laughs> <laughs> this, whole, this whole podcast was just a ploy to <laughs> call me out years later. Years later. Uh, but yeah, it, the reason it was accepted is because it mixed accurate information with opinions. And so some of the information that he posted in this original uh, post was actually correct, while others were opinions. But because they were mixed, people couldn't tell them apart, and people just took the whole thing as fact as well. What I did to actually resolve this was create the ultimate resource for people to reference. Uh, What that was was a definitive list of unused fighters in Smash. So I gathered up all the sources, tried to find as many as I can, and keep keep a list that was updated. And also, I worked with the community to ensure that it was, like, super high quality and promote it as, like, this is the best resource. This is the ultimate guide if you want to know what characters were considered or planned or or cut from Smash. Right. And because of that, I was able to correct a lot of misconceptions and misinformation within the Smash fan base because people were able to look at this easily accessible list, verify the sources if they wanted to, and that would actually populate other articles on the internet. So the definitive list of unused fighters, it eventually got onto the, the Wikipedia pages like Smash Wiki and Smashpedia. And uh, other article, other YouTubers started covering it. And that led it to kind of uh, spread throughout the entire Smash fan base as like, this is the correct information now. Right. So if you look at like Smash Wiki information from six years ago, because you can easily go back. That information is completely different. <laughs> oh. So um, the definitive list of unused fighters has helped a lot. Um, and that's mainly because the community has accepted it as, a, as, that, as that definitive list. That's good. You were able to retroactively fix it. Yeah. And unlike uh, now when people you know, reference old information, people have a, something to point to and be like, no, actually, that's wrong. And this is here's where you can find all the correct information. The next uh, example that I'm going to go over is actually from uh, Digino Gaming, which is uh, a place that I worked with. And before I get into this part, they're fantastic people. Uh, you know, Shane Gill, who runs uh, Digino Gaming, is a great individual. He's a good friend of mine. But uh, they unintentionally spread some misinformation back in the day. And it was fixed over time through our combined efforts. One thing that I've realized is that people only have so much brain space. And like we kind of referenced this earlier in our discussion, uh, it's impossible for them to know everything. And 
like as you know, being a content creator on the internet is a very involved process. Like think about how many things that you're like you're doing for memory card. Like you're you're doing the tweets, you're doing the uh, editing for the episodes. Like you're very involved with lots of different aspects, right? Right. And there's only so much time in a day to do everything. And if you're making content, it can be very hard to fact check. Yeah, it's very easy to let fact checking slide. Right. And so, and especially because like the community doesn't really reward a lot of good fact checking. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of pressure to keep fact checking at a high bar. So things can slip through and um, people can unintentionally spread misinformation. I'm, I'm sure that we spread mis- misinformation on this podcast at one point or another. <laughs> probably yeah. yeah unintentionally yeah like even uh there's one episode where uh i actually had been edited because i said the wrong name for uh programmer right yeah well and there was one too we were talking about the movie yeah. version of rampage and we accidentally started discussing uh the wrong director of another movie named rampage yeah so cut that one out we don't always catch them i'm sure it, i'm sure there's stuff that we've said that was you know factually mm-hmm. off but hopefully down the line, someone, you know, would step in and say, oh, yeah. you know what? Actually, you know, this is this is the real this is how it went down for real. And, um, you know, I feel that we are both mature enough to step back and say, oh, yeah, you're right. Pro- you've proven us wrong and we're fine with that. Yeah, we will make a retraction or, you know, we'll we'll fix this in some way. Yeah, we'll try to, you know, make a note on the, the episode's save file um we'll uh make a tweet about it even though you know typically like the correction doesn't spread as fast (laughs) as like the original article which is unfortunate yeah and a lot of times people don't really care that much you know yeah about the fact that it was something little some people do care a lot and that's fine but yeah, not everybody's like, okay, like you said Pikachu instead of Raichu. It's like, it's whatever. <laughs> you know? Only so much brain space on, in people. Just depends. And so in this old uh, episode of uh, Digital Gaming, they said that uh, Super Smash Bros. was actually planned for the Super Nintendo and would have used the Super FX chip, which is completely false because we have the project plan for Smash 64. Hey! And um, that information actually did exist uh before that video it was uh published in 2009 uh full full four years before the digital gaming video but it was only published in japanese and so no one in the english-speaking world read it and so what i did was i helped bring those documents into english for the first time very cool so i worked with source gaming to actually translate and to make an image translation of that document so it would kind of proved to be a source material and i worked with a a number of translators to ensure that it was translated properly and it could be easily accepted by the community and of course i I referenced where it came from on sourcegaming.com so that way people could check the translation if they wanted to yeah and i just got i just did a big piece for a profound waste of time um, which is a gaming magazine and it's about the history of how and this was a document that I actually referenced when I was, you know, digging into the history of how Smash Brothers came to be. Mm-hmm. So perhaps without, you know, your efforts to find the real thing, I might have taken the, you know, false information and 
put it into this <laughs> prestigious magazine. Um, and, you know, who, who would have stepped forward to say, oh, that's wrong, besides maybe you. <laughs> so you can see, I mean, it has that trickle-down effect. Yeah. People, the, the more you put it out there, the more that you, the more that professional writers and professional translators and anybody who, you know, has a big audience steps forward and says, yeah, this is real, the more people are going to take it as fact, whether it is real or not. Yeah, and it does put a lot of pressure on me every time I do a translation. Mm -hmm. uh, because I'm like, okay, I need to make sure that whatever I do cannot be misconstrued or misrepresented in any way. Right. And so uh, with Smash translations in particular, uh, people like to read into everything, like every word and every syllable, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what Sakurai says. And so um, over the years, I've, I feel like I've gotten a good grasp on how to word things so the Smash fandom doesn't take it out of context. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of digging going on there for uh for clues, you know. Yeah. Uh one thing um when I first started source gaming, I would try to do a one-to-one -one translation. Like this is the act like this is the actual translation, but over the years and working with uh the the other translators on source gaming, I've come to realize that actually localization has a very important place mm -hmm. in translation because Without localization, if it's just a one-to-one, -one, things are going to be lost because of culture differences and the ways that we understand it. Localization helps ensure that things are less lost, if that actually makes sense. Mm -hmm. So in, in an effort to go back to the source, I, I realized that actually it's, a good, it's not always necessary to go back to the source because there's a lot of times that it can create misunderstandings. Right. Sometimes it's better to put it Put it in your own words, but still have it be accurate to the source. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, with digital gaming, uh, eventually, after I kind of like <laughs> publicly lampooned them for their misinformation, I uh, eventually joined the team and um, I worked with them for a full year. I was a full time YouTuber before I did cute games. It was amazing because I, I actually got to work on translate even more documents. Um, they, they paid for a ton of uh, Nintendo Dreams and Famitsu magazines and stuff like that. So I could actually bring more source documents into English for future videos that they, would, they have made. Very cool. So yeah, uh, as we talked about, like going back to the source, uh, ra uh, raising awareness of misinformation and being consistent, those are the ways that you can kind of battle against mis misinformation as you put together, as you said uh, so eloquently, like this, it has a ripple effect. And uh, it's, it's important to kind of get that pond ripple moving, I guess, <laughs> because uh, otherwise it, you know, that misinformation will have that same ripple effect. And so you want to create these, uh, these own stones of, of truth yeah, and get those in the pond as, as quickly as possible. Yeah. And hopefully they'll be, you know, heavier and they'll, they'll cancel out the other, you know, ripples or at least push back on them. Mm -hmm. And then, um, Building resources like uh, articles that have easily verifiable information and that serve as like evergreen content is super important. One of the things that I've constantly maintained even after leaving Source Gaming is the Smash Ultimate development timeline, which isn't used. Like if you look at the stats for that uh, article, it's not like the most popular article of all time. But the Smash Ultimate de uh, de development timeline is very important because it allows fans and other content creators to have a 
basically like a primary source or secondary source document that they can use to funnel into their other content. So like if they want to like, you know, easily find, you know, the sources for when negotiations for Steve Minecraft <laughs> begin, they can go to this one article and find the, the primary source very quickly. And so building, like connecting those dots for people, it's, it's a lot of effort. It's a, it takes a lot of time, but it does create those ripple effects and it's very important. Uh, another article that I think was very, very important in the Smash History fandom is uh, Sakurai didn't say that. <laughs> and that was an article where I took maybe like five or six um, commonly misquoted comments by Sakurai. And I explained why that misinformation existed and what was actually said. And so um, looking at like, you know, I looked at each quote, like say like, oh, this was actually taken out of context. Here's what was said. Um, I think that has had a huge impact on how people see Sakurai now. Like, I think um, I don't, I don't want to say like I fixed his reputation online, but I do think I have had a positive impact on it. Because I think a lot, of, a lot of people were very negative about Sakurai, actually, when I first started Source Gaming. And I don't think that Sakurai is a god or that he's an unfallible or something like that. He's like, I don't think he's perfect. But I think people have come to understand a lot more about Sakurai and have kind of respected him a little bit more because they, that misinformation was uh, adjusted and fixed. And yeah, it's, it's also very, very important to... Be involved with the community and to get your information out there because if you are a truth seeker if you are a someone who is battling misinformation it's very important that you work with the community and try to take feedback in a way that isn't personal like if someone says that you're wrong then you know you should accept it look into it and then try to adjust it work with influencers um because they will help get your information out there and uh Yep, as I mentioned, the community resources are very important, but they have to be kind of owned by everyone. They can't just be something that you created. And it's important also just to, some people might come at you and tell you that you're wrong, and you don't have to roll over and say, okay, if, if you do think you're right and you have the sources, you can go back and double check. I guess what I'm saying is don't be a pushover in either regard. Yeah, for sure. Look into your sources. If someone tells you you're wrong, Double check them. If you were wrong, then, you know, apologize and fix it. If you weren't, then try and help them understand. It doesn't always have to be like a flame war, I guess, is the thing yeah. that should come away <laughs> with from this. You can actually have conversations on the internet without yelling at each other. Yeah, yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. So yeah, that's, uh, that's basically uh, my talk on Smash and Misinformation. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Ben, do you have any questions before we wrap up the podcast i don't really have uh much um is is there a specific sakurai quote that you feel like is the most uh like used that is wrong like one that comes up a bunch or did come up a bunch before you put everybody in their place a lot of people think that sakurai uh lies and that he um says things like for example uh after every game he says like uh this is going to be the last smash Bros game or you know this is this is the last uh i'm not sure if we're going to have another smash bros game which is true because he is not a nintendo employee he is a contracted employee and so getting a new smash bros game is actually a very involved process mm -hmm. and so there's no guarantee that's going to happen again yeah especially a game like ultimate like i don't know how you can 
do that again <laughs> and like even if you do ultimate again like what's the point because like now that we have you know have had everyone is here mm-hmm. you know it's not that special if you do it again true yeah there might have to be some kind of a a spin on it or that maybe that is the last one but yeah i mean it's always it's always up in the air yeah it's always up in the air um you know especially because you're working with so many different companies and like so many different ips it is a legal mess yeah i'm sure i i really wonder what the future of smash is because like after brawl sakurai hinted that like you know oh i'd like to make a smash bros for the ds because that was the system at the time so that that kind of idea was at least like in the mind of sakurai and he you know there's quotes of him saying that but with this one, he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say, like, don't expect. Don't don't think that things are going to happen 100 uh, percent. Just uh, try to understand that a lot of these things are, are very nuanced and very difficult. Right. And things change. Yeah. And, and things do change. Yep. They could say a character, you know, wasn't available for a game and then it, they show up later as DLC. And it's because, you know, uh, talks were talks were had and deals were made and so you never know but always look back for the source i think that that's a very important thing is that your opinions can change too like facts facts are set in stone but your opinions those those are things that can change and evolve over time and for healthy individuals they should evolve and change over time Thank you guys for listening. Uh, thank you guys for supporting Memory Card. And uh, we will try to be back with some more bonus episodes at the end of Season 6. And the start of Season 6 is going to be coming up in August. So be on the lookout for that. Thank you so much.